Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a podcast from the Mary Baker Eddy Library in Boston. I'm Jonathan Eder, your host. In this episode, we're going to venture into the arena of theater, looking at the influence of spiritual quest in the performing arts on Broadway and beyond. Our collections at the library have pertinence to a number of fields, and the performing arts are no exception. So, I am pleased to welcome to our conversation an archivist and an actor-slash-director-slash-composer-slash-producer. It's great to be with you, Sarah Sheldy, archivist at the Mary Bacardi Library. Welcome. Jonathan, thank you for having me again. It's always wonderful to have you as a guest on, on Seekers and Scholars. And to be with you, Peter Link, a veteran of Broadway who in many ways has done it all, treading the boards, creating scripts, and composing scores. Welcome, Peter. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you, Peter, and we're so looking forward to having an intersection in our conversation between an archivist and a person of the theater. Sarah, you keep yourself very busy as an archivist at the Mary Bakerty Library, bringing to your work master's degrees in library science and history. You've written a number of articles for the library, including several biographies for the library's Women of History web series which looks at untold stories of women with many different connections to Christian science. One of your pieces is on Antoinette Perry, a creative force in theater as an actor, director, producer, and contributor to enduring institutions such as the American Theater Wing. She is the namesake for the Tony Awards, an abbreviation of the Antoinette Perry Awards. Sarah, We are so looking forward to be discussing the research you've done on Antoinette Perry. I'm very excited to talk about Perry. (laughs) Yeah, she's a fascinating figure. And Peter, it would be impossible to do justice to your career in a few short sentences, so I'll just call out a few highlights. You were twice nominated for Tony Awards, one for your musical score for Neil Simon's The Good Doctor, and for Joseph Papp's Much Ado About Nothing. You were longtime composer-in-residence for PAP's New York City Shakespeare Festival Productions. You received the New York Drama Desk Award for the musical Salvation, which you co-wrote with C.C. Courtney. You played the lead role of Berger in the Broadway production of Hair. You are now CEO and creative director of Watchfire Music, an inspirational music production company, And much of your time now is devoted to a musical podcast called Rosemary and Time, which embraces the Christmas story with contemporary characters in a small Oklahoma town. Peter, it's great to have you and to get your perspective on the intersection of spiritual purpose and the performing arts as we consider the life, career, and legacy of Antoinette Perry. Well, this will be fun. Yeah, I think so. So, Sarah, Antoinette Perry. How did you get started researching into her life and career? What drew you to her as a subject for the Women of History series at the library? Well, Jonathan, I started researching Antoinette Perry because of her mother, Minnie B. Hall Perry, who was later Mm. known as Minnie B. Hall DeSoto. And DeSoto was an early Christian scientist in the West, along with Perry's grandmother, Mary Hall. In 1886, Minnie Perry took normal class, or the class to become an authorized teacher of Christian science, with Mary Baker Eddy, the discoverer and founder of Christian science. Wow. And then in 1888, when her daughter was born, she named her Mary Antoinette Perry, Mary after Eddy. 
We know this because we have correspondence between Minnie Perry and Mary Baker Eddy talking about Antoinette, who Eddy called the dear nursling and namesake and would inquire (laughs) about in letters for years to come. And we have Eddy's letters to Minnie Perry because Antoinette donated them to the Mother Church circa 1924. So I think Perry is an interesting example of someone where, while we don't have archival documents by them, they are still present in the library's collections, and that illuminates things about their lives that can't be learned elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Perry, as a young girl, took Christian Science primary class from her mother and participated in the Busy Bees, which was a way for little children to participate in fundraise for the Mother Church edifice. And we know by statements from Perry's daughter, Margaret, that Perry considered herself a Christian scientist throughout her life, but it's not something that's talked a lot about in her day-to-day work or in her interviews at the time. So this is just some of the things that our collections can uniquely share about Antoinette Perry. Well, it certainly does indicate in terms of Christian science that it was so much a part of her family background, her formation, the environment, the culture, the consciousness that she uh, that she grew up in. So that that's fascinating to learn. When you've done other kind of exploration in terms of existing scholarship on Perry, do you see our collections as adding a new dimension or a new insight into her life for just the general public to understand about her? Yes, I think so. I think because so much of what people focus on in Antoinette Perry's life is her adulthood and uh, her career, and obviously that's very important, and that's kind of the central thing that the Tony Awards website would focus on or scholars of American theater would focus on. But I do think it's an important aspect to study that kind of cultural context that she came from and what we can learn about her from her family as well and what her family's impact would have been on her. Hmm. So tell us about her career. What did it involve? How did she make her mark? And you know, why was it that Broadway decided that it was going to name its most cherished award after her? Well, Antoinette Perry's family not only was involved in Christian science, but her family were also involved in the world of acting, Hmm. particularly her aunt and uncle, Mildred Hall and George Wessels. So at 15, she joined her uncle's touring company, and then that would bring her to New York City, where she would make her debut on Broadway and meet figures like famed producer David Belasco. And for a while, she was having a pretty interesting and popular career on Broadway, But then in 1909, Perry married Frank Fruoff, a businessman from Denver, and um, retired from acting until Fruoff's passing in 1922. Although in 1920, she did invest in producer Brock Pemberton's production of Miss Lulu Bet, a Mm. play that was wildly successful and won a Pulitzer Prize. Pemberton was a Broadway producer who partnered with Antoinette Perry on a number of different productions, particularly after she became a director. He was actually the one who, when they handed out the Tony Awards originally, they were calling them the Antoinette Perry Awards, and he was the one who kind of said, the Tony. So, <laughs> oh, so he's the yeah. one responsible for uh, abbreviating it to the t- Tony. Yeah. So she had this start in her career as an actress on Broadway, then her marriage, and then after her husband passes away, uh, she goes back to acting for a bit. But then she decides to kind of switch careers in a way and become a director. I think that's an important aspect of her career for women because she was an early example of someone who saw an opportunity 
on Broadway, not just as a performer, but as a director and producer. And then she made that happen. And she made that happen well because she directed a number of hit plays, particularly Harvey in 1944. Yeah. And according to Ellis Nassor in Playbill, she directed 17 plays in 13 years and had 500-plus performances in her career as a director. And that stood as a record into the 1970s. But um, it wasn't just her performances or her work as a director that really made her known to Broadway and the reason why they named the Tony Awards after her. Mm-hmm. It definitely has to do with the work that she did as a f- philanthropist and someone who kind of created successful and sustaining places in New York City's theater community for burgeoning actors and writers to develop their career. Mm. So, Peter, when you hear Perry's story, what resonates from it in your career? And how does working in the theater as a composer, actor, director, etc., engage with spiritual quest and mission? Well, let's define spiritual for a moment. Okay. The dictionary states spiritual is relating to or affecting the human spirit or soul Mm. as opposed to material or physical things. Right. Does theater affect the human spirit? You bet it does. Right. Theater can and does teach and clarify truth. The whole concept of truth today in this modern world is being tremendously challenged. I think about this and work to reset the world's thinking on this one word, truth, every day. Mm. I think that's what Miss Perry was about. I think she was giving to the theater because she realized the power of theater. You might ask me, well, how can theater help save the world? (laughs) What is theater? What is the concept of theater? The theater is storytelling. Mm -hmm. The power of storytelling is immense. For instance, what is the best way to teach the spiritual truths of our existence? Certainly not by didactic preaching or, or lecturing, but rather by example. Hence, storytelling. Mm -hmm. Christ Jesus used the power of the parable. Right. He taught by storytelling. He told stories that revealed the truths of our existence and also revealed the nature of God. She didn't start theater, of course, but she certainly continued it. (laughs) Yeah. And as it evolves, and evolve it does, it has certainly evolved through this uh, pandemic It has a tremendous place in the world today because of that simple idea of storytelling. Right. Well, you were bringing up this question about theater and saving the world, but certainly comforting the world seems to be something, or inspiring or supporting the world seems to be something that theater is uniquely positioned to deliver to audiences and and to people. So, Sarah, I'm curious. Perry lived through the Depression, and she lived through World War II, two very demanding periods in American as well as world history. How did her work in theater contribute and help humanity during those particularly difficult times? I think as Peter was talking, there's one thing that really resonated with this quote that I found from Antoinette Perry. She wrote a article for the New York Times called Talent in the Wings, and this was published on January 9th, 1938. And so she said, there is no fear the theater will ever die, but we can help it live more abundantly by cooperation and an intelligent development of all the lovely mediums we have at hand. 
So I think that we can see in her own words how she's speaking of this essential nature of theater and the particular work that cooperation can bring together for theater. She's quoted as well as saying that as a young girl, she felt she was an actress, not that she'd become one. So (laughs) there was no life worth living without being involved in the theater. And it makes sense that she focused so much on using the theater as a way to contribute to others, even in these challenging times. So one of the things that's remarked upon about her involvement in the theater is particularly the stage door canteens. And these Mm. came out of the organization, the American Theater Wing's work in war relief. And they were unique in that they did not just represent charity, but entertainment. And that entertainment was not just siloed in one place, but in cities across the country, in other countries, like in London, and then in the theater of war. So Rachel Crothers um, was Perry's predecessor who organized the World War I-era stage women's war relief organization that would become the American theater wing in World War II. In 1917, she said, We ask you to come for the sake of your nation, of your profession, and for your own sake, that you may be part of the most important thing in the world just now, the bringing, the healing, and comfort to suffering humanity. This was something that would have really reverberated with um, Antoinette Perry and is something that would have brought her to the work in war relief in World War II when Perry was requested to take part in this kind of effort. The stage door canteen and other initiatives of the time worked to improve morale on the home front Mm -hmm. for soldiers. But also it was just a way for those in the profession of the theater to contribute to the war effort if they couldn't enlist or help in other ways. It was a way that they could take what they were best at and put that forward in a time when everyone had to put forward their best. Yeah, I know it makes a huge difference for morale, you know, to to have that sense of community, that theater is so effective at bringing people together around. Peter, you, you were nominated twice for Tony Awards. In your view, what would Antoinette Perry feel best about in terms of this award that's named in her honor? You use the word community. Right. It, it has always struck me to go to the heart, to the foundation of what theater does for us all is this. The writer writes the stories and the songs. Each moment must contain its own truth. If you do it right, you fall in love with your work. Mm -hmm. Then the cast gathers together in rehearsal and works to not only fall in love with their respective character, but also the play and the other cast members. Mm -hmm. Then, in performance, they take it to an audience, and an amazing thing happens. Inspiration, truths, travel across the footlights, and the audience falls in love with the play, the characters, Mm -hmm. the experience. Then when the show is over, and the audience stands and cheers and applauds the cast as they take their bows, this circle of love travels back again across the footlights, and everyone in the room is simply in love. Well, that sounds like a a tribute that Antoinette Perry would (laughs) feel very pleased about. To whatever extent that the Tonys recognize that, that notion of elevating 
human experience through the theater that brings on this greater feeling of community, of love, of love for character, of love for creation, of love for the human experience. Definitely. In tributes to Antoinette Perry from people who knew her best, Mm -hmm. so from Brock Pemberton after her passing, and then from her daughter as well, they constantly remark upon the great loves of her life, and the number one love is always theater. Even Mm -hmm. her daughter, Margaret, said that theater was mother's great love, what she lived and breathed. Her outstanding trait was that she cared. It didn't matter if you were a janitor, cab driver, or on that pedestal of pedestals, an actor. So I think what we see there is this great love of theater and this great love of humankind and of humanity. They were inseparable for Antoinette Perry. It was her way to express that love that she had for theater and that love she had for other people and to do it through not just direct charity, which she was well known for. She was known for paying off back rent of a struggling actor or just (laughs) giving out money. Um, But it wasn't just that direct charity that was important to her. The idea that she had was giving it back or paying it forward. And it's something that came out of her connection through her family and her aunt and uncle and how their work um, helped her get her start. We see how important it was for Antoinette to create the structures and the resources necessary for performers and artists to make their own way. So one of the significant things that she was involved with was the experimental theater, which she wrote about for the Christian Science Monitor in an article in 1941 called New York's Experimental Theater. She says that authors will have an opportunity to be heard, and eager, vigorous, hardworking actors will have an opportunity to play to invited audience of producers and agents. So we see that creating the space was important for her, expressing the love that she had for theater. Right. So, Peter, when you hear about the experimental theater that she helped create and and how much she valued having a space for the generation of new work and new opportunities for actors, how does that relate to, to your work and, and particularly projects that you're involved with now? It's sad that experimental theater doesn't get the chances it used to. Oh, no. In New York especially, so many have closed. Without that experiment, without that beginning of creation, theater sometimes gets a little bit stagnant. I'm deeply involved in experimental theater right now. Uh, COVID brought closings of theaters all over the world, closings of movie theaters, play theaters, musical theaters, certainly Broadway. But you have to keep creating. So we sat down and looked at this world of podcasting. So is this experimental theater? Yeah, it is. This opens up a whole new world of communication. So what we are basically calling this is theater of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Because what do we have as, as human beings? We all have this imagination. There's something very tied into imagination and spiritual discovery. So. Rosemary in Time is an experience of the imagination. We can work from a standpoint of that new exploration of new mediums to make something very special. As I think about what you were just saying, Peter, and I think about Rosemary in Time, and I've had the great pleasure of listening to a number of the episodes of that musical podcast. Also, thinking of Perry and thinking about Broadway, what strikes me is so important and what 
almost always seems to be a signature, a defining quality of a great moment in theater or a great moment in musical theater is discovering and representing the purity of the human voice, the human experience. Well, Rosemary in Time is a new version of the greatest story ever told. In that Christmas story, in that nativity story, there's these incredible pure truths that come through. I I did a list of great Broadway shows, mostly musicals, because I'm so much involved with it. But when you talk about Hamilton and Les Mis and Camelot and Brigadoon, Funny Girl, Gypsy, Mamma Mia, Mary Poppins, My Fair Lady, Ragtime, Sunday in the Park with George, you're talking about musicals that were very popular. And when you think about it, looking at each of those musicals and having seen them all and read them and listened to the music from them, What do we get from that? Mostly, we get a spiritual lift in our consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that is the essence of theater. It it lifts our spirit. It lifts our understanding. It lifts the messages of truth into consciousness, and and they, they stay with us. Peter, when you were nominated for Tony Awards, did you have any idea about the story of the person after whom they were named? No, they were just the Tony Awards to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This has been interesting. I've I've learned a lot today. I just learned things that I've never understood at all before in terms of the Tony Awards. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. The the spirit that she created has clearly stayed with us. Well, I have so enjoyed being with uh, both of you for this conversation. It has been inspirational. Theater has always been something that's been very meaningful for me. And to learn a bit more about its history and one of these figures that uh, has been so important to it and her legacy through these awards, but more so through her spirit and what those awards uh, represent about Antoinette Perry, about her her spirit. And then to see that resonated in, in your experience, Peter, what has been so valuable for you in this career that you've had, which has been very multifaceted and full of great achievement. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much, Sarah Sheldy. Thank you so much again for having me. And thanks so much, Peter Link. A pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seekers and Scholars. As we looked at the extraordinary career and impact of Antoinette Perry in the world of American theater. Perry is the namesake of the Tony Awards. And as part of that conversation, we also engaged with the subject of the importance of spirituality in the performing arts. So we're so pleased to have an archivist, Sarah Sheldy, and a veteran of Broadway, Peter Link, to be our guests for this episode. I hope you'll join us for our next episode as we revisit a very special event that happened at the library called the Archives Open House. In it, you'll learn more about what was featured at the Open House and how it was received by attendees. I'm Jonathan Eder. Thank you for listening to Seekers and Scholars. This podcast was produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Copyright 2022.